previously on Tales of the Voidfarer. The ogre is going to lumber forward. The girl is going to dart out of the way. She makes eye contact with you, Marco. Do something. Braddock's going to turn to face the ogre. Come at me, foul beast. I'm going to look to the ogre. Hey, big guy, what do you call a sleeping mage? A <laughs> snorcerer. I'm going to cast Tasha's hideous laughter on him. <laughs> She's going to swing at Braddock. 18. Everybody stop fighting or I blow a hole in the ship. That definitely stops everyone from panicking. <laughs> <laughs> what the blazes is going on here? Oh, thank God. You will knock it the fuck off. It sounds like the people above deck are a bunch of pricks. They certainly are. Can you see this, this half-elf? I'm part of a crew that operates outside the salvagers' games. Who are you exactly? My name is Val. All right, everyone, up on the decks. This is the exterior of a crystal sphere of Crate Space. Welcome back. And you're going to have to bear with us because it's been a hot second since we recorded. That's due to a number of reasons, one of which being that Saker had a human child in real life. In real life. So congratulations to Luck Saker. Luckbeak also had a human child, which was very strange <laughs> in between sessions. Yeah, it was very weird. People were talking. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I think Marco's going to actually be like, you need to give me that baby, Luckbeak. <laughs> I don't know where you got that baby, but you should not have that baby. Now, excuse me. This is worth so much on the black market. You don't even know. <laughs> now, now, Saker, before we jump into things, I do have a question for you yeah. on that regard. And I'd like you to answer truthfully and honestly in front of all of the listeners of America right here. But did you or did you not name your child after a character from the classic animated 1994 television show reboot? All right. Now, I know that years from now when he hears this, little Megabyte is going to be upset with me for revealing his name on the air. But yes, I did name my child after a reboot character. That's all I needed to know. Good. Good. You look behind and see the same gigantic glyph on the same gigantic black surface. And the difference now is when you're looking back at this glyph, the octagonal opening is just an explosion of prismatic color. The phlogiston behind you, you see the lines begin to recede. The portal closes. Is it light in here? Is it dark? What? I mean- it is light, but the light source seems to be two tiny pinpricks of light just off of the port bow. Mm-hmm. And you see this tiny yellow pinprick and then a slightly fainter blue pinprick not too far away from it. Um, can I use the cover of most of this darkness uh, mm-hmm. in order to try and maybe 
scoot behind some of the cargo. So isn't dark. I would say it's considered dim light. I see. But as small as those pinpricks of light are, they're still ample light. Powerful. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little dimmer, but it's not dark by any means. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, if it's not safe, then there's no reason for me to go poking my nose around. Yeah. As you guys begin to fly in this black void, you begin to see glimmering off of the light of these distant pinpricks, this like kind of brown specks here and there. As you continue to move, you see more and more of them. Objects appear to be kind of drifting in the void so far out that you can't really make any detail. These specks of something continue to grow more and more numerous. And it's only after flying for another 45 minutes or so that one passes by close enough for you to see what it is. It is a ship, or it used to be. It's hull shattered and blown out and you see there's planks kind of floating all around it. It's listed far to one side and just looks like anything of value has been stripped. And you get the impression that all of these specks way off in the distance are more abandoned and destroyed spelljammer ships. Ravnish just cocks her head and watches as they float by. Mm-hmm. Marco is initially not paying attention as he is so caught up with the spell going on and like how everything is functioning that he doesn't look up until the last second to see this abandoned like ship and just mouth agape like not really sure how to react to it. Now Val is with you guys. She took a seat on a barrel right behind you guys. She kind of has a smirk on her face as she watches you, especially you Marco as you're just awestruck at everything. But she doesn't say anything. I think Luckbeak is also pretty awestruck and I think awestruck in the terrified way. Um, I think he's going to turn to Val and say like, now, now what are the chances that we're going to end up like them right now? I mean, I mean, the crew is capable, right? I'm, uh, do you know anything? The, the crew, I'm sure he's very capable for, for a guild ship at least. Uh-huh. But those ships, they're not from any time recent. Those ships are ancient and they were here when this fear became accessible again. No one quite knows why. So they just stay there floating in the void? Yeah. There's an entire belt of derelict hulks just floating out in the void. It's what the Salvagers Guild makes so much money looting. Although, looks like they've picked clean most of the ones that are anywhere near the orbit of Nadir Anchorage. Why are there so many of them? Like, this seems odd. It's it's like... I can't even describe it. No one really knows. There's a lot of speculation. This sphere's been inaccessible for thousands of years. Who knows what happened before we were able to get back in. And from what people can tell, the ships have been in this state long before we came back. Hmm. The stuff the Salvagers Guild finds on these ships, I, I mean, is the language current? I mean, is it is it even intelligible? No, it's from the Kratorian Empire, and not much is known about them, but it was the civilization that existed here. Don't know their language. We only know that they were a spacefaring civilization. Um, he's going to pull out some of the scripts from this ancient language. Do they look anything like this? I guess a little like that. I've never really examined any of it too up close. I don't really have a head for such things. Maybe. Where did you find that? Oh, back on my homeworld of Turil, there are several ships that have crashed there. I've been studying them for years. I have to get on one of these derelicts. Suddenly you see Marco's eyes get very (laughs) wide with like a smile on his face as he's now just writing stuff down like, yes, if I get a chance to get on one of these derelicts, I can study more of this language. Yes, yes. (laughs) Val kind of sees you go into your own little world and she's concerned for half a moment, but then a smile curls onto her face. Well, if you've joined the Voidfarer, 
That's just the kind of thing we do. You had me at Voidfarer. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an easy way to get left behind by your crew, though. It's not the first time it's happened to me. Well, did you like it when it happened before, kid? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had plenty of time to study the stuff, so that was nice. And eventually they did come back for me. Good job. Good for you. Hey, what did I tell you again about just showing that thing off to anybody for any reason? You just showed it to the dwarf family, you showed it to this girl who wants to hire us for a mission, and we know she steals stuff. Never mind, never mind. I take offense to that. Well, you're a salvager. I mean, stealing. I mean, maybe not the the exact description. Stealing from who exactly? Well, stealing from the garbage floats in the void all the time. No, all right, all right. Hey, hey. You know what? I understand. We we have to justify our means however we can, and 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 I feel you. Um, Look, people do it because there's gold in it. I guarantee that. I suppose that's something. Luckbeak. During the conversation, when Marco went into his reverie, like he kind of grabbed a hold of the hem of his shirt because he was afraid that Marco was just going to run and jump off the side of the boat to try. So like he kind of slowly releases it over the course of the conversation, hopefully imperceptibly. Marco, make a perception check. That was a net one. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't even notice. (laughs) You guys continue to drift a little bit further and you eventually see just off the bow another brownish speck. But this one, unlike the others, begins to grow larger as you approach it. And the ship maneuvers slightly, so it's almost as if the the pinpricks of light, which you now gather are the twin suns of this system, are just slightly eclipsing this mass that you are approaching. And as you approach, you begin to see that there is almost a halo of other little specks around it, and these specks form into ships. But not the adrift abandoned ships, but currently crewed, very much active spelljammers. And the mass itself seems to be created of what looks like thousands, if not millions, of hulls of ships that slowly over time seem to have coalesced together under the forces of their own gravity, crushing them into a rather large asteroid. The bow of a ship here, the aft of a ship there, masts sticking out at odd angles. Of the ships you see floating around, you see all types. Marco, you recognized several tradesmen, very similar to the ship that got you in this mess to begin with. You see other hammer ships, like the one you're on now. You see a handful of ships that look like they would be at home in the harbor of Waterdeep back on Toril. You see a handful of ships that look like cuttlefish or squid with a battering ram that have shaped like twisted tentacles. You see a very active elven armada ship, what resembles a gargantuan butterfly made out of this big green plant leaves that extend each way like wings. You also see a strange ship that resembles a long sailing ship, except a vast majority of its deck is made up of a large cannon as long as the entire ship's length. Valve observes everything and goes, ah, yes. The Elven Imperial Navy is still here babysitting. The Gift Bombard is new. Wonder why they're here all of a sudden. She just kind of says, musing to herself. Marco did not hear any of that as he is writing (laughs) and drawing so furiously that he has broken one of his pens and has gotten a new one. (laughs) Ravnus looks like almost unimpressed as she looks out very stoically, uh, taking everything in. Yeah, I think Buckbeak is probably taking it all in too in kind of a a rather nervous way because he's not really been off planet 
ever. So this is all kind of terrifying to him. <laughs> Everything is terrible and I hate mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you guys continue to approach. You begin making out even more details of this massive structure that is Nadir Anchorage. And you see that what looks like it's near the midsection of this entire mass. There's hundreds of docks and piers that jut out into the void. And you see there are hundreds of ships that are just parked, some coming, some going. The ship that you're on begins navigating to an empty dock that is waiting for them. As you're approaching, Val's going to lean over to you guys. Now I need you all to listen carefully. The guild got you here. They only do that if they're expecting something out of you. If you're planning on joining, they're going to try and corral you immediately, have you pay dues, and usher you up to the guild hall. Now, I think it's safe to say, if I've been convincing, that you're not interested in joining them. And I know you don't have papers to start the business. So, we're going to have to be a little careful. How so? Well... Like I said, they got guild clerks going to be waiting here at the docks to register everybody in and collect a 50 gold due from each of you. We are going to have to sneak around them. I know a way that you're going to have to follow me and you're going to have to listen to every word I say. Because if we get caught, it's going to get a lot harder for all of us. I'll lead the way. The ship pulls up to this dock and the crew begins mooring it off and a gangplank is lowered onto the deck. And the crew begins kind of shouting to herd all of the crew members out onto a deck. And in fact, at the end of the pier, there seems to be two podiums set up. And there's two clerks that are waiting to start checking people in. And in fact, as you get going, you see the Fluke Gadget family are there. And you see Amanthe is searching through her bag and pulling out papers. Val pulls you guys back and lets a bunch of the crowd go first. All right. If this is timed out correctly, this shouldn't be a problem. She leads the way, wedging herself in the middle of the crowd, kind of glancing over your shoulder to make sure you guys are all following her. And I need everybody to make me stealth checks. Okay. And you can take it with advantage because Val is guiding you. 18. I rolled with advantage and both came up 20 for a 23. (laughs) What? Yeah. You just rolled two nat 20s? Yeah. If only it were a disadvantage because that would have been baller. (laughs) I am invisible right now. (laughs) So uh, I rolled a two and a 10 for a grand total of 10. Okay. Val leads you in hunkering down a little bit. So she's lower than the crowd and she weaves you through the crowd and you can start hearing the sounds of the clerks checking people in. There's a little bit of a scuffle because it sounds like one of the members didn't realize they had to pay a due because they already paid fares coming here. It, it stops abruptly as you hear somebody in the dirt and you hear chains clank slightly. You don't know what's going to happen to this person, but it's probably not good. Val leads you through the crowd over to the edge and she turns and goes, now this is where the fun happens. And she just jumps off. Um, I look at Luckbeak and Ravnus. <laughs> Yeah, Ravnus just eats herself off the ship. She doesn't even think about it. She just goes. Okay. I look at Luckbeak with kind of a, are we going to do it? All right, kid. Let's do this. (laughs) All right. Um, Real quick, though, I would like to make a perception check um, to see if I see those kids. Oh, yeah. Well, you could have made a point to bring them with you. Yeah, because I was hoping that they could come with us so they don't have to be exposed to whatever the fuck is waiting for them. Yeah, that would have been really shitty to just leave the kids. (laughs) Right. I would imagine if that was your intent, you would have discussed that with Val and she's agreeable to that Uh, on the condition that they're your responsibility. You got it. I have kids now. (laughs) 
<laughs> Congrats, you're a dad. <laughs> Join the uh, club. Fuck. Marco's 22, man. <laughs> and he's got a teenager now. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I, I guess the kids go like, yeah, I look at Luckbeak then and be like, All right. So I leap off. Is the one kid still in a barrel? No. Okay. <laughs> no, he's, he was removed from the barrel. Okay. He seems kind of shy. He hasn't said a whole lot and he's dirty and he has like light brown hair that's kind of messy and overgrown. Did you like have the kid's hands when you jumped, Marco? Or did yeah. you just like, okay. Yeah. Riley is like, wait, you're not gonna, and then you just jump oh! and you pull them and Luckbeak, did you jump as well? Um, I mean, have people noticed that we're jumping if I'm the last one to jump? Everyone's mostly concerned with getting through the checkpoint. The only people immediately around you are like other passengers. Okay. Then nobody seems to care if they notice it. Anyway. So, yeah. so you jump as well. All right, that's the campaign, guys. You all died. Uh, <laughs> Great uh, podcast. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no. So, Luckbeak, since you're the last one to go, they sure. jump into this void and you jump and you're like, oh God, this was totally a mistake the minute you did mm-hmm. it. And then something hard hits your feet as you land in the bow of a longboat that is suspended perfectly under the pier about 10 feet down. Okay. And Val's on the other end and she goes, it took you long enough. And then she begins pulling this boat, which is just floating in air about 10 feet below the dock, right along the pier all the way towards Nadir Anchorage. And again, it wouldn't be much of a podcast, Nick, but I am going to check to see if Marco and Ravnus are here. They, everyone's Okay, there. cool. As Val is kind of pulling the boat, she says, I'm so glad Brohan can follow directions. I was totally expecting him to put the boat in the wrong spot. That would have caused some trouble, wouldn't it? And she smiles and laughs. What? (laughs) I suppose so. Thank you, Brohane. (laughs) Whoever you are. Oh, you'll meet Brohane soon enough. So the boat eventually gets to the shore, quote unquote, which appears to just be, again, like more slightly crushed hull of a ship. And she begins pulling the boat to a few docks down. All right, I think we're far enough down that they're not going to see us. She kind of gestures up as she's holding the boat onto the shore. This is where we get off? Yep. Uh, That wasn't much of a trek. You sure they're not going to see us? Uh, All right, I'll go. Look, (laughs) this boat isn't going to survive much longer if it gets spotted adrift on on its own. And if we get too further from the Deer Anchorage, we'll just kind of drift out into the void where we will slowly starve and die of dehydration. So take your pick. All right. All right. Let's not go that route. I didn't think so. So she kind of lets everybody climb out and then she follows up and you climb up to what looks kind of like a plaza. And again, even the ground is made out of bits of ship that have been like slowly refined to be a flat walkable surface. And you see little pop up vendors and tents selling goods right off the ship. Well, um, I think it'd probably be best if we don't go back empty handed. So if you don't mind taking a detour, uh, see if we can come back with any information on some potential salvaging. Well, that's it. We're just going. Sounds good to me. Straight off the bat. I mean, no, no. Yeah. On the job training then, I guess. We don't have to sit down and watch some like videos on like how to do this. (laughs) There's no better training than on the job training. She says with a smirk and she just begins walking off. Marco and the kids are right behind her. I'm kind of looking to Ravnus. Okay, as you're walking, I think I'm going to try to like keep pace with you because I think Marco and the kids are probably up ahead of us and, and try to make some sort of like conversation. Do do you feel like this all happened very fast? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, nice talking with you, Revenus. (laughs) 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 
I mean, truly, I can I can tell that she's not one for talking. So, well, that was a short conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you kind of shut up and continue walking. Uh, Val leads you through a few more of these little vendors, and you can see that one vendor has ship supplies, ropes, and like boarding hooks and folded sails that have almost like arcane thread woven through them. There's some that are selling ammunition for trebuchets and catapults. In addition to that, you're also seeing a variety of walks of life all around you. There's a lot of humans, some elves. All the elves that you see are in uniform. A military-esque uniform, but it seems very naturalistic. It's like a shade of green. It has like shoulder pads that look sort of like curled leaves, but it has a very rigid militaristic kind of vibe to it. You see a handful of dwarves. You see large hippo people walking by, being very loud, conversing in a deep throaty language. And when they laugh, you almost feel it in your chest as they walk by. There's a couple mantis-like people, bags slung over their shoulders, and they're kind of clicking and chattering. You see a handful of gnomes and halflings going about their business. So then Val kind of leads you up a slope a little bit to a little bit of a higher vantage point. This is a good spot. And you can see probably half of all of the docks on this side of Nadir Anchorage. We want to be looking for a scout ship. The Salvagers Guild use them to scout the more distant areas. They don't want to risk their own men sending them out that far. So they'll pay third-party salvagers, mercenaries, and scouts to head out that way and come back with any information they have on potentially untouched hulks or anything else of value that might be worth the Salvagers Guild time. They're here to report to the Salvagers Guild, and it's going to be our job to get that information first. Okay, how do you propose we do that? Oh, a variety of ways. If it's uh, if it's a written message, we can steal it. If it is an in-person messenger, we can have a conversation. That can go a variety of ways. Or I can perhaps buy their loyalty for the time being, if it comes to that as well. I'm just curious... Are we needing these people for continued patronage? There's a lot of them. If we burn a bridge or two here, there's plenty others. But if we can do it without that, it's preferable. All right. I'll 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 just keep that in the back of my mind then. You go ahead and do that. She says, like, not really figuring out what your deal is, but curious nonetheless. What he's going to do to kind of show off, he's going to use minor conjuration to create... What, what would be like, can I roll a history check to see if you would know anything of like tremendous value, like gold or something? Like out here? Yes. Yeah. All right, that is an 18. Yeah, you're pretty sure you heard of something mentioned in passing called Cinder Shard. In the context that you've been able to pick it up, you know that it is a magical substance that is very rare and very sought after. And from what you can tell, only found in this crystal sphere. So would I have a general idea of what it looks like? Yeah, in fact, just from hearing descriptions of it, it kind of sounds like the crystal around your neck might be, if not that, something similar. Now look at that. I cast Minor Conjuration to create a similar looking but slightly bigger crystal than myself. I hold this up and say, this is going to completely disappear in an hour and is inherently meaningless, but it can last long enough for us to get a deal and get out of here before they realize we screwed them. Really? Now, observing the crystal, you notice that it doesn't have quite the same properties. It's like a superficial replication. It doesn't quite have the same, like, glow. Mm -hmm. While yours kind of glows when it's in the presence of certain stimulus, this doesn't do that. It kind of has, like, a static glow to it. 
It's full. But you're pretty sure it may fool somebody if they're not super knowledgeable about it. Granted, I feel a little iffy about this myself, but if it comes to it, we can use this. Val still looks at it a little maze and she reaches out her hand like she wants to hold it. He hands it over to her. She almost seems surprised that it's physical, that it exists. You can conjure counterfeit cinder shard out of thin air. Uh, yeah, uh, not much, actually. Only about 10 pounds. 10 pounds of cinder shard. And it, it disappears <laughs> in an hour, though. All right. Well, uh, limitations are good to know. But uh, just so you know, and because I get the impression you don't, 10 pounds of cinder shard is a lot of cinder shard. What kind of price does a pound of cinder shard fetch you? Well, I'm not an expert, and it seems to fluctuate with the market. It's probably at least 100 times its weight in gold. Oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. Marco is kind of taken aback now himself. At least, as mages begin to learn more and more of the properties, that price might go up, because we don't know anything about this stuff. You, you don't know anything about it? No. It was only found here. They know that it channels magic. I'm not an expert in it. You'll have to ask Brohain or Sillin when we get back to the ship. They would know before I would. Marco is back to writing notes into his journal. So let's see who comes into port. You guys sit there for a little while. As you're sitting here, the large ship that looks like almost entirely cannon floats in orbit around and you see it slowly pass. And you remember Val calling that a GIF, Great Bombard. A GIF is in like... GIF. GIF, gotcha. Yeah, they're the uh, large uh, hippo people. GIF. Oh, oh yeah, th- that's... I met some of them back uh, back in the last port. Yes, they um, favor Rock of Brawl. They're mostly a bunch of independent mercenaries. Love to fight. Love their smoke powder weapons. And they love explosions. I can see from their ship. Most say when you hear a bunch of explosions, it's either a bunch of gif doing battle or having a mating display. Ooh, I think it'd be instinctual to try to cover the ears of the children. <laughs> <laughs> at least the nine-year-old. But at that point, it's already out. Yeah, and Val says it and she laughs like that's probably not true, but that's a common joke. Uh, after a while, I think I'm just like, the children have to be exposed at some point. I'm not their actual dad, so... Papa Marco looking out. <laughs> As Val is like saying this and kind of laughing, she goes, oh, there, there's one. And she points and it looks like another elven ship, but tiny, dwarfed compared to the size of the Armada class ship. That It's an elven flitter, but it doesn't look like it belongs to the fleet anymore. And as it flies in, in fact, it is this tiny little ship that it's like the actual fuselage of it is no bigger than the longboat that you drifted over from the dock on. And it has the leafy green wings that spread out. And you can see as it approaches what looks like the sigil of the Elven Imperial Navy on the wings, but it has since been defaced with a red symbol in the shape of a triangle with three spokes that kind of crisscross each other in the middle. What is that symbol on the ship? She kind of squints at it and she goes, "Uh, that looks like it is with the Zenith Syndicate. They subcontract a lot of their scouts out to various parties. Their operations are questionably legal, uh, but they've generally kept a low profile since coming here. I see. I tend to avoid them. I've heard rather nasty things about their leader. Rumor has it they took control of an asteroid not too far from here. Then she looks a little closer and you see that there is a humanoid figure getting out of the ship and begin walking up the pier onto the shore. Probably about seven feet tall, but lanky and lean. It has broader shoulders, but a narrow frame with long arms in proportions to the rest of its body. And it seems to be covered with brown hair. 
<laughs> little Wookie-ish. <laughs> but the hair seems to rustle up around its neck like a mane, and you see a very simian-like face. And as it walks, it's wearing a dark black, dark brown leather armor, and you see folds of skin between its arms and legs, kind of running down its side, almost like, like a sugar glider or a flying squirrel. Okay. And you can see it's barefoot as it's walking, and its feet are very hand-like, like ape's feet. Ah, it's a Hadozi. If it spots us, it's going to run. It's going to be hard to catch. Do we need to chase him? Only if it spots us. Why? Because if it thinks that we are going to intercept its information, it's going to try and run to the guild as quickly as possible. Why are we we trying to be suspicious? I mean, couldn't we just have a chat with a friend on the street? We could try. But one might say I have a bit of a reputation. It'll help if we catch him. But if he spots me, he will run. So So it's you we have to worry about. If you want to take the lead, I'll let you go. If that's the case, I mean, nobody knows who we are. So Val, if you could watch the kids for a second, (laughs) the rest of us can handle this, I'm sure. We're smart, right? Are we? We... (laughs) Yeah, we're capable. (laughs) Well, absolutely we are capable. Uh, 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 now, Marco, how long does it take you to do the, uh, the conjuring that you, uh, you had done before? I can do it instantaneously. Oh, perfect. All right, because I don't think we have too much time to waste here. So, uh, why don't you just make me, uh, some moderate amount, uh, I don't know, three pounds? Marco extends his hand. You see the necklace with the amulet on it kind of radiate slightly. And then three pounds of what looks to be cinder shard appears in his hand. Yes, what basically appears is a large football-sized hunk of unrefined, uncut crystal in an orangish color that is, like, vaguely shining. All right, Moko, you hold that. Follow me uh, closely. Uh, and, and Ravnus, uh, just just, just follow along. Uh, uh, this is going to be kind of an uh, improv game, right? So uh, just follow my lead. Can do. Can Marco try to cover this just a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> You can tuck it inside of your coat, and that'll do a decent job of concealing it. Okay, that's what I'm going to do, because good lord, if I'm walking around with three pounds of whatever, (laughs) we're going to attract the wrong kind of attention fast. So I'm going to attempt to make pace with the creature down there, while also having a rather loud conversation with my associates. And I'm going to say, well, three pounds, you know that three pounds is just not enough. Now, now, what are we supposed to do? We need so much more. I mean, how are we going to save the orphanage with just these three pounds? I wouldn't even know where to unload it. Um, <laughs> as we're kind of catching up with him, I'm just going to continue this conversation with them in the hopes that he hears the words, three pounds of cinder shard. <sighs> <laughs> that is, of course, what I'm speaking of. You are not alone on this street. Mm. <laughs> there are still people all around. Ah, okay. Um, so if that influences sure, what you if, say... Sure, Val was with us, so I assumed it was just some sort of back alley or something. It was originally, sure, sure. but he is walking okay, through understand. like the main thoroughfare, basically. So Val has stayed off where you guys originally were with mm-hmm. the kids. Okay. Um, all right, then tell you what. Uh, I'm going to tail him until he goes down some sort of back alley, hoping to find him on a narrower street. Got it. So he seems to be following the main street that kind of winds up from the mooring ward into what more bustling market or bazaar. There's more of these shops and stalls. He continues into this market. He doesn't seem to be deviating off of the main path. Hmm. Luckbeak, uh, I don't think he's dipping into any alleys. Damn it, then. 
we supposed to con the guy? Uh, all right, all right. Um, let's see. Uh, well, anyone else have a better plan? What we have right now is, uh, I don't know, uh, three pounds of fake gold. I, that's, Ravnus, you have anything? We could try to lure him in another way. We could flash it at him and then be like, hey, come down this alley, we can do some business. Sure, sure. I mean, are we still taking the diplomatic approach after that, or are we going to take a more severe approach? I hit your eyes, Ravenous. We could always beat him. That's true. Point of order, though, we could also just get the information, make the exchange, and, you know, 45 minutes later, he realizes we fucked him. All right, fair enough. Let's do that. All right, so, uh, what do you do? I think we're ducking into an alley, and, like, Marco's opening his coat at him. Very, yeah. like, flasher style. <laughs> so, um, my idea was, is I was going to literally walk up to him and be like, hey, listen, do you want to make a deal? And then kind of, like, open my coat a little bit to show the glow and then close it up again. Okay. So, yeah, you can kind of approach him. Like, there's people around, but it's not, like, a thick crowd or anything. So you quicken your pace slightly and walk up. Um, hey, excuse me, friend. He turns. Up close, you can see that he has thick, reddish-brown hair and a protruding simian-like muzzle and kind of eyes you with these dark eyes and goes, What? You look like a person who knows some things. And I kind of open my coat just so he can see the glow and maybe the tip of the shard. Just the tip? Yeah, just the tip. <laughs> Thank it's you like, for that, Nicholas. <laughs> you're all welcome. You look like a person who has information, and I am a person who needs information. So maybe you and I can work out a little bit of a deal. Go ahead and make a persuasion check. A 14. All right. Yeah, I'm going to lead him back to the loving, comforting arms of Ravnus and Luckbeak. <laughs> <laughs> so he follows you back and he goes, What does a little human like you have with that much cinder shard? Keep your voice down. But let's just say that I'm a person who knows how to obtain things. And as he walks, he sees Luckbeak and Ravnus standing there and he gets a little bit more apprehensive. Like he thought he was just going to deal with you. And he sized you up as being somebody he could handle very easily. Uh, but now that you have backup, he's not so sure. So immediately what I'm going to do is when I hear him coming around this corner saying I'm, I'm the type of person who can uh, acquire things or know where to find things. Uh, and I'm going to say something like, well, and, and we understand that you, friend, are also the type of person who can procure things like information, perhaps. We mean you no harm, just a trade. So he thinks about it and goes, what do you want to know? Hey everyone, Nick here, the man behind the curtain you should pay attention to, be, be because I'm the Dungeon Master. Anyway, thanks for listening to episode 3 of Tales of the Voidfarer, and the last episode in our launch batch of episodes. But don't fret, episode 4 is coming really soon. Look for it Tuesday, October 15th, 2019, to kick off our every other Tuesday release schedule. Next up, once again, a shout out to Rachel Guzak, 8BitRibbit on Twitter and Tumblr for doing our magnificent character art for Marco, Luckbeak, and Ravness. We got a banner made before Con and the Cobb and they came out basically life-size. I didn't tell the rest of the gang until they saw it. It was really, really cool. There's pictures on social media if you want to check it out. Speaking of social media, feel free to go like us, follow us, share us, bop us, twist us, pull us. That that sounds wrong. Anyway, do all the things at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Voidfarer Pod on Twitter.
Now, without further ado, let's get back to this seedy back alley transaction happening on Nadir Anchorage. You find yourselves in this alleyway just off of the busy thoroughfare going up from the mooring ward of Nadir Anchorage to the Sutler ward where the market is. The alley is narrow. It's probably only about maybe six to eight feet wide. The one side of it is actually completely composed of the deck of a tradesman that is laying on its side. The other side is the huge side hull of a gigantic ship of the line. Its masts leaning over the alleyway, its ropes and riggings hanging down, further obscuring the view and casting some shade. The Hadozi is looking at you intently, having just said, what do you want to know? Well, now, a little songbirdie told me that Wait. And he kind of looks nervously over his shoulder a little bit, and you can see that there's the people still walking by, and he moves closer to you and Marco. Keep your voice down. No, I don't actually know that I'm capable of that. Let me give it a try. <sighs> All right, I think I can do that. Now, listen, we know that you have some information about maybe a certain... In that moment, there is a flash of movement. Now that he is close, he jumps up and grabs the riggings. And with one of his hand-like feet, punches Marco in the face. He rolled a 19. You take three bludgeoning damage. And with his other foot, he grabs the phlogisterate out of your hand. And I need you to make a strength athletics check. I hate you. <laughs> That's not going to end well. <laughs> Two little weak boys. That's a hot and spicy too. No, you butterfinger it away. And in one fluid motion, he goes up the rigging. And I need everybody to roll initiative. Two. <laughs> Two. Hell yeah, bro. That's right, two brothers. <laughs> I, I'm higher than that. I got a nine. <laughs> it's the best time to get a shitty roll. That's fine. <laughs> Everyone was like distracted by a bird or something for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Marco's distracted by him holding his nose, seeing if there's any blood. There's a little bit of blood. <laughs> he got cold cocked in the face. <laughs> The Hadozi climbs deftly straight up the rigging and then leaps, still holding the cinder shard in its foot. It jumps out and spreads its arms and legs and you see this leathery skin membrane and it just begins gliding down towards the mooring ward and it's out of sight. Fun chase scene, Nick. <laughs> that, was, that was really good. <laughs> Ravnus, you were standing closer to the mouth of the alley and stepping out, you can actually see where he landed. He is 80 feet away from you now. Okay. Would it be faster to follow him up the riggings or just straight run? You would think it'd be faster to straight run. All right, so she's going to follow him and she's going to dash. Okay, so your speed is 30 feet? Yep. So you move 60, so you get within 20 feet of him. All right. And now it's actually his turn and he's gonna continue to book it. <sighs> I was so close. <laughs> <laughs> So you see him land and he tosses what he thinks is Cinder Shard from his foot up to his hand and just begins sprinting. Uh, Marco and Luckbeak, you guys look and you see Ravnus look to her right outside of the alley and then just take off. Right. What do you guys want to do? Um, Luckbeak, I'll let you go first considering I got punched in the face. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so uh, when I exit the alley, is he still, is he's 80 feet away from Ravnus or 80 feet away from us? He is 80 feet away from Ravness. He is 140 feet away from you guys. Oh, boy. 
Uh, well, um, I can dash as a bonus action. As sure a coward. can. Usually I dash away, but this time I think I'm going to dash toward him because I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this whole chase scene short, you fool. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to take a uh, a long ranged uh, attack with my crossbow at the flagesterite, not at him, but out of oh, his hand. Oh, okay. Go ahead and uh, make your attack roll with disadvantage. Yeah, it's beyond short range. So here we go. Oh, so it's beyond short range? Yeah. All right, so it's disadvantage minus three. Neat. So, uh, natural, I got a two and a four. So that's a five and a seven. (laughs) Goodbye, dear crossbow bolts. So you run out into the street, and there's a bunch of people all around. And Uh you just, like, pull out your crossbow and fire. And you hear shrieks and screams as people just kind of, like, duck. And you hear, like, a soft of the arrow just into some piece of wood <laughs> into some somewhere out orphan. of sight. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, luckily doesn't sound like it hit anybody, but you gave a lot of people a scare. Can I yell like, that man's a thief. He, he just stole, he stole our money. Yeah, uh, go ahead and make a deception check. Oh, okay. Deception. A 22. People are still around confused, so there's not an immediate reaction to that, sure. but you definitely thought you sounded believable. Yep. Okie doke. <laughs> Um, Marco is like, okay, I know this thing's bullshit, so I dismiss the previous conjuration, make it disappear, Mm -hmm. and conjure the same object in my hand. I'm going to get close enough that he can see me. Okay. As I'm holding my head, and I'm going to scream to him, do you think that I was born yesterday? That I wouldn't have (laughs) something up my sleeve? Yeah, you run out into the street, and you wave your hands and just conjure another one of these objects. And you immediately see him as he's running. He kind of, like, does a double take down, and then, like, kind of looks around him for a second. Like, maybe he dropped it. And then when you shout, he looks up at you, and you just see him grimace. I'm still holding my nose. (laughs) (laughs) Quite the sight. Ravnus, it's your turn. You are still 80 feet behind him. Then I am going to chase him. Okay. You move and another dash? Yes. All right. As you're like running, you actually see him holding the cinder shard in his arm like a football, and it just vanishes. Now he is cinder shardless. So he's kind of looking up at Marco, look back down at you, and you're still in pursuit. And let me see. What's he going to do? Because he wasn't expecting that. Yeah. He's just going to keep booking it. He's been duped. He's just kind of going to try to get out of there. So he's booking it, and he, instead of following the thoroughfare, he ducks down another alley. It's a wider alley, but Ravnus, you see as he goes, there is a makeshift like wall made out of deck planks that blocks the way, and he's going to vault over it. He succeeds. He just kind of leaps over this wall. Luckbeak, go ahead. (sighs) Ravnus, you just go go ahead there. Uh, God, that is for people with big legs. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm just going to wait here for the the constable. (coughs) All right, I'm done. (laughs) You don't move at all? Hell no. There's no way in hell I'm going to catch up to these guys. Luckbeak ain't going to bust his ass for no reason. I mean, you do have your cutting action. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're a a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. So I could dash twice per turn. Yeah, you can move and dash twice if you if want. If I ran 100 feet right now, how close would I be to him? Okay, you'd have to make a check to get over the barrier, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you could get to him mm-hmm. with that. Listen, 
<laughs> Luckbeak is invested in this, but he sure isn't that invested. <laughs> He'll let Ravnus right. handle it. He has a lot of faith in her. <laughs> okay. Ravnus took track and field in high school. It's canon now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marco, you're standing up there with this new Cinder Shard. You see this Hadozi just panic for a second, do a quick cost-benefit analysis, and then book it. Let me ask this. He's booking away from the crowd of people, right? Correct. He ducked into an alley. You actually don't have line of sight on him anymore. Thought so. Is there any way I could maybe go another way around to maybe catch him? Because I'm not going to win a foot race against this guy, so... Yeah, go ahead and make an intelligence check. All right. That is a non-natural 20. Damn. Yeah, you're not super, super familiar with the area, but you do just like a quick assessment of the terrain as it's sloping downward. And you think if you shoot across the thoroughfare down an alley, there may be some way to cut him off. So you go that way. May I ask one other question before I do that? Yeah. We're in crot space, right? Correct. It's flammable, right? No. Okay. It's only flammable in the phlogiston between the crystal spheres. Okay, so in case I need to cast Flaming Spear, I'm not going to blow up the ship. Correct. Good to know. So you move. Uh, do, you, do you dash as well? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going full speed if I can. Got it. You move and you dash. You actually find yourself like a level up, but as you cut through, you come out onto like another like main like street and you can see over a gang rail, him come bursting out of an alleyway 60 feet away from you down a level. Okay, so now... Uh, your turn is over, unfortunately, because you used your action to dash on your movement. Ravnus, it's your turn. You saw him shoot down this alley and vault over a wall. Yeah, she's also going to try to shoot down the alley and vault over that same wall. Sweet. Acrobatics check. Okie dokie. It's a 15. That's okay. Yeah, uh, that's actually exactly what you needed. Oh, nice. So it's not nearly as graceful as you just saw him do it, but you do get over it just fine. Dash again? Yep. Yeah, Ravenous, you kind of vault over the deck and you now see that he's only 10 or so feet in front of you, but he's continuing to run. And he veers to the right onto a road. And this road, quote unquote, is the deck of a ship that is listing to one side and it's an uneven sloped incline. And he seems to navigate it just fine. Does this look like particularly precarious? Like, does it look like it's just all going to fall apart if she gets on it? No, it's not going to fall apart. It looks all pretty sturdy. Like, this does function as like a, a town, you know? So while the ships are old, doesn't look like anything here is going to give way at any point. All right. Luckbeak still sitting around. So with my flippers on my knees, uh, I am going to heavily breathe. And I see that Marco's mm -hmm. gone. And I look in front yeah. of me and I see that Ravnus is gone. Uh -huh. I basically throw my hands up and I say, now, I was not made for this sort of, of adventuring. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just going to wander forward to where Ravnus was on that uh, that fence, and I'm going uh -huh. to do the cutest little uh, try to get over it when I eventually get to it. <laughs> you can get to it now. Uh, okay. Go ahead and uh, make an acrobatics check. Oh, wonderful. Uh, let's see. Okay. Ah, uh, 16. Maybe not as cute as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You actually managed to find your way over. Yeah. But I kind of like to think, you know, Luckbeak being pretty dexterous, he's not super, super athletic. So he's using his brain as much as he's using his body. And he mm -hmm. finds a loose board that kind of does the cartoon, like, rotate yep. and spits him out the other side. <laughs> yeah, I slide down the board on my stomach once it gets so far. It's perfect. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> does it look like there's a fight up 
up ahead? Has she hasn't caught him yet? Uh, you kind of get over and you see that Ravness is uh, a good fifty feet down the line. Sure. So instead of shooting him, a moving target with my crossbow, and sort of shoot ahead of him at some, you know, a barrel that has a bunch of stuff in it that I could shoot and it would like leak out all over the street or, you know, something to create sort of a uh, an obstacle for him. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You see that there's a stack of barrels just sure. a little bit in front of him. Oh, this whole thing is a cartoon. I love it. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> you made a doar. It's like, you know, yeah. this is just ducktails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm taking the shot. Uh, that's still a disadvantage, correct? Yes. Uh, so 16. Yeah, you hit this barrel. It's a smaller barrel, and it breaks. You see just grain pour out onto the street. If anyone is watching, I, I definitely, I did mean to do that. It may look like I was, I missed him, but <laughs> that was intentional. Nice. Marco. Okay, uh, if I even use my full dash this turn, I can only get 60 feet, right? Right. So I continue to run along this upper part of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I'm going to follow this path. I'm going to dash 60 a tier yeah, above yeah. him. Unfortunately, to keep up with him, there is a gap between buildings that you would have to jump. It looks doable, but you're still going to have to make a check. What kind of check? It'll be acrobatics. Uh, all right. <laughs> That's a three. A three? Oh, no. <laughs> so you are going to fall. Uh, roll, roll a d4 for me. You got it. That would be a four. A four times five. You're falling 20 feet, my friend. You land with a thud at the bottom and take, ooh, nine points of bludgeoning damage. That means I am down to eight as I'm just laying there holding my back like, ow. You are not having a good time. (laughs) And unfortunately, that means that you only moved half of your movement and you are now prone. Yeah. So you can use the remainder of your movement that you would have moved to then stand. Yeah, I'll just, I'll at least stand up. All right. Ravnus, it's your turn. All right, and she has to go down that incline, correct? Correct. So you're going to have to make an acrobatic step. Neat. That's pretty good. Unnatural 20. Yeah, easily. She's going to dash again. So he has to make a check. You know what? I'm going to say it's disadvantage because he didn't anticipate this obstacle coming up. It just sort of exploded in front of him. Oh, nat one. (laughs) So he hits this grain and immediately slides prone. So he moves his 30 feet falls prone, uh, spends 15 to stand back up, and runs another 15. Uh, Luckbeak. Um. You saw him go, and he hit your trap. Yeah. But he still gained 45 feet, so he is now 195 feet in front of you. Yeah, he sure did. Um, I'm going to yell, oh, man. I'm going to yell to Ravnus, and I'm going to say, hey, can't we just make up some stuff to tell Val? Does it have to be that... He's so far ahead. Can you even hear me? <laughs> Ravnus. <laughs> God. Uh, I, this, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to walk at least to the grain and like, I thought this was a good enough plant. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to, I really, I'm just going to be defeated again and walk forward. I'm not going to dash. Uh, I'm just going to keep them in sight. Okay. You don't actually get to the grain. You're still like 100 feet away from the grain. <laughs> oh, so that is a lifetime to a doar. <laughs> Marco. All right. Um, let's see. Well, first I'm going to go 30 feet before I do anything else. Yeah. You gain on him 30 feet and you can now see him. He is 135 feet away from you. All right. Fuck it. 
keep uh, 30 more feet and get as close as I can. Got it. Still got him in sight. Um, He turned a corner slightly, and now there's an incline that's going back up, curving back around in the general direction of the Sutler Ward, just around the other side of the station. Ravness, it's your turn. Can she hear Luckbeak? <laughs> Make a perception check. Uh, a natural 20 again. Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. You can hear him. He's a, he's a little <laughs> bit distant, but his squawks carry. She hears him complaining. Okay. So she is going to run just another 30 feet up, and then she is going to take her light crossbow and just try to mess up his day. Okay. So that'll put you at uh, 55 feet. Okay, so Ravnus, you took a shot with your crossbow and it ricochets off of his leather shoulder pauldron and he turns around and bares his teeth at you and continues running. He needs to make a check. Oh, he fails. So that means that that slope is difficult terrain for him, which means he's only going to get another 30 feet. Okay. Alrighty. It is Luckbeak's turn. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to take a full dash towards him. Okay. And I'm going to say, I'm going to take a deep breath and then I'm going to yell as loud as I can. And I'm going to say, um, excuse me, stop right there in Val's voice, because I can unerringly mimic the speech patterns and accent of a creature that uh, I hear speak for at least one minute. Oh, wow. So, uh, thinking that Val and he have probably had some interactions, it's called Master of Intrigue. And that's a... That's a rogue uh, mastermind A mastermind ability. Got it. That's fucking cool. All right. uh, Go ahead and make an intimidation check with advantage. I don't remember how she spoke. I hope it was British. I just uh, took a stab in the Uh, dark. (laughs) It was was the typical swashbucklery pirate. Okay, good enough. Well, uh, seven. So, he definitely has a reaction... (laughs) But the reaction is sudden panic as he looks around and he continues to run. Okay. Actually, that's interesting. Let me make a check. Okay. That's super interesting. Uh, What a great thing for DMs to say. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Marco, it's your turn. All right. um, um, So how far away is he from me right now? He is currently 135 feet from me. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, he's still booking it, right? Yeah, he has now booked it up this grade. As you move, you can just barely keep him in your line of sight. I'll make a full dash and call it a day. All right. Uh, Revenus, Marco has caught up to you and moved past you. I look Uh, like I'm in pain. Yeah, he's kind of like (laughs) clutching his side and wheezing. She is going to run and dash again. Okay, so you move a total of 60 then? Yep. Do you seem to be approaching the Sutler Ward again? Where he's running, you can see that there are now like these shops installed. This seems like the actual market district and he runs into there and you see that there's dealers and merchants all over the place uh, and a little bit of a crowd. Luckily, he's like completely out of sight for you now. Yeah, that's fine. However, you are certain that your imitation of Val definitely landed. I still got it. Luckbeak, uh, it is your turn. You can just kind of barely see Marco and Ravnus, who are well over 100 feet in front of you, and you can't see the Hadozi anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, where's the nearest pub? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Go ahead and make a perception check. Uh-huh. Uh, Unnatural 20. You've noticed a handful of different pubs down in the Sutler Ward. However, they don't seem to be a very good repute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
They just seem to be run down. They're like for the dock workers and the sailors who don't have a lot of coin. You know what? Go ahead and roll percentage die for me. Yeah. Uh, you definitely find a tavern. I'm just trying to decide if it is the plot convenient tavern Honestly, or not. yeah, the, the seedier <laughs> the better because I'm, yeah, well, uh, I mean, I'm going to try and figure out more about this guy. Uh, 63. Yeah. 63. Um, yeah, nah. Um. <laughs> I was debating on putting you in a very plot convenient sure. place, but I don't believe that the chances of, of that are good. But that means I need to come up with a name for a tavern. You don't have like a running tavern that's in every one of your games? No, oh, I don't. Man. Can, can I self-insert the Gilded Lily here? The Gilded Lily? Yeah. Fine. Uh, yeah, perfect. sure. The Gilded okay, Lily. That's my that's my running uh, RPG bar. Yeah. Perfect. That that works. It's the Gilded Lily. It, it does not look gilded nor a lily. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, it appears to be made out of half of a hull of a hammer ship. Okay. The back end of it. And there is a hanging wooden sign over it that has the drawing of a lily. And it says the gilded lily. And it looks like maybe the lily was painted gold at some okay. point. But even that has faded. <laughs> or somebody stole the gold leaf off of the sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so you do find that and you can use your movement this round to go to it. Sure. Oh, but not quite. Okay. Okay. That's what I'll do. So uh, you are effectively taking yourself out of this chase. Yeah, but I'm getting information. That's I, I am Nick. I was always out of this chase. <laughs> <laughs> we're just making it official now. So we're going to put a pin perfect, in that. And we'll perfect. come back to you. So, Marco, you are now 125 feet from him. Okay. You said that we are now in the marketplace, right? He has now gone up the hill and entered the marketplace. You are not quite there yet. All right. Uh, well, first, I'm going to move 30 feet. You do it. He's now 95 feet from you. Dash again. Okay, uh, Ravness, okay. you are 115 feet. You and Marco are generally keeping pace with each other. Yeah, and he's going into a marketplace, so there's probably a bunch of people, right? There are more people than there were down in the dock ward, but it's not like a thick crowd yet. So, like, thin enough that I could shoot some crossbow bolts at him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do have a clear shot. Okay, and if my math is right, even if I move... 30 feet up, I'm still going to be 5 feet out of short range for my crossbow. Correct. So then she's going to roll with disadvantage if I remember how to play this game. Yep, that is correct. You roll with disadvantage. Ooh! (laughs) 22. That'll definitely hit him. Nice. 10 damage. Okay. So this time, as he's running, you fire, and it hits him in the back of the arm. You see blood begin to trickle down his arm, and he looks down at it. You hear him, like, bark a curse word of some sort. All right. Good job. (laughs) She almost smiles at that, that she she was able to do something. Is is the moment Ravnus actually smiles going to be on this monumental occasion in this narrative? Uh, It is now. We've established it. It's canon. It's it's, going to be a thing. You got to save that smile. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Ravenous, that was your turn. It is his turn. As he's running, he veers to one side, uh, and it's a deck of a ship that is piercing down, creating a, an incline that goes up to a raised area that overlooks this one market. All right, look, peek, you're out. Marco. Mm, he's still just staying right out that I have no spells for him. <laughs> like, every time, it's like 110. Well, I'm going to move 30, obviously. Okay. So at this point, I'm going to have to go for broke here. I'm going to hold up this fool's gold shinder shard that I still have in my hand. Mm-hmm. This belongs to anyone who catches that Hadozi. Oh, wow. Make a deception check. Okay, okay. 
21. Wow. Damn. Ooh. Go ahead and roll a d8 for me. All right. Two. Okay, there's not a whole lot of people around, but there's these two thuggish guys. One was standing over talking to a merchant that seems to be selling shirts and linens and like that sort of thing. And another one was looking at a fruit vendor, seemed to be mid-transaction on what looks like a strange purple banana. <laughs> they see you do that, and the one dude drops his banana and starts booking it after the Hadozi. And then the other one just sees that and takes off as well. So there's two additional pursuers who are taking you up on your offer. Good. They're both going to move twice and dash which puts them 20 feet behind the Hadozi. I do like the fun fact, though. I did not lie. I just said whoever wants this rock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is now Ravnus' turn. She is going to keep chasing. She's going to try to avoid a level of exhaustion and dash. Okay. Go ahead and make a constitution a saving throw. 18. Yeah, you're fine. You dash right. with no consequences. And as you're running, you see that there are these two thuggish sailor-looking guys that blew past you and are right on its butt. It's its turn. Um, he gets to a more crowded area up onto this tier. There's more shops and stalls, and it's a little bit more congested since there's not as much open space up here. So he has to push his way through. He gets to make a check. Not good enough. So he only gets to move only 30 this round. Now it is Marco's turn. All right. So... Moving 30. That puts you at 80. Just outside of rain. All right, I'm going to use my last dash and at least, you know, gain some ground. So maybe I can get a spell off next turn. Okay. So you are actually now uh, neck and neck with these two brutish sailors. They're both going to catch him. <laughs> the one is going to tackle. What did you say? You said just to stop him? Yeah, I just said stop him. Okay. The one is going to try to tackle him. Nope. The other one's going to try to tackle him. Oh, boy. Yeah, so the one misses, he dives, and the Hajozi dips his shoulder, and the dude lands on his face just past him. But he wasn't anticipating the second guy, and the guy just lays into him, knocking him prone. So both Thugs and the Hadozi are all knocked prone right now, and the one is grappling him. All right. It is Ravnus's turn. She's just gonna jog right up there. All right, so you move 30, so you're still 70 away. Uh, Marco. You are 50 feet away. All right. I'm going to walk 30 feet. So at this point, I'm well within range. I'm just going to say, we could have done this the easy way. We just want the salvage report, man. Make a persuasion check. All right. That is a hot and spicy 15. You see that the Hadozi is listening to you and kind of snarling, fighting against the thug. (sighs) I can't lose another job. The suzerain will have my head. Do I know what the fuck the suzerain is? It sounds like a title. Not so. You're so far away from home that you definitely wouldn't have heard of this person before. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'm pretty well done with this turn, unless we're going to have a conversation. because You still have an action, because just talking was a free action. Okay, so I'm going to ask him, why don't you work for us? We got a ship, we have people, so if you're looking for cash, we could always use more able-bodied people. Uh, he doesn't seem to be in a position to, to immediately answer that right now, but that's fair. he heard it. That's fair. So, All right. So the one thug is continuing to grapple, but the other thug now gets to his feet and goes over and decks the first thug while he's grappling the Hadozi. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
So he does hit, and you hear a crunch as like the one guy's nose begins to bleed, but he doesn't let go. <laughs> Ravnus, it's your turn, and you see that Marco goes up and is talking, standing 20 feet out of harm's way, but you see that these two random guys are now yeah, fighting. Yeah, they're starting to fight, so she is going to dash. Go ahead and make another con save. Uh, that's worse at the 12. That is still good enough. Yay. So that puts you 10 feet away. Can I start getting rope I have in my backpack out to tie this dude up? Yeah, you can interact with an object uh, as part of your movement uh, once per turn. Yeah, she gets out her 50 feet of hempen rope. As you're kind of jogging up. Yeah. Then it is the Hadozi's turn. He's going to try to get out of the grapple. <laughs> nope. All right, so Marco, it is your turn. You can close the distance if you'd like. You're only 20 feet away. I am going to close the distance. I'm going to chuck the cinder shard as far as I can away from the rest of us and see what those two thugs do, because now they're a problem. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, the one who did the decking immediately sees it. His eyes go wide and he runs after it. And the other guy lets go and goes, what the fuck? I caught him. That one's mine. And he actually goes after him. All right. So that leaves me in the Hidozi, right? Yeah. And the Hidozi is now trying to scramble the minute he's been released. Listen, let's work together here. We can find out something that's mutually beneficial for all of us. Okay. He still seems panicked and a little squirrely. Uh, Ravnus? All right. She's going to try to get this guy back into a grapple. And if I can, tie him up. Okay. Go ahead and make an athletics check. That is a natural 20. Damn. Yeah, you got him. It's like he immediately gets released and he's scrambling to get back to his feet before he can even go anywhere. You're on him and you have him pinned. Can she start tying him up this turn? Yep. You you spend your action to tie him up. All right. You begin just like basically hog tying him. Neat. (laughs) Okay. With that, we are out of rounds. So you have this Hidozi in the middle of the marketplace. It's a scene for sure. This is a civilized settlement, yes? Ish. It definitely tries its best. (laughs) Okay. Would I be able to use my bad reputation trait so that we can just kind of do this without anyone like calling the cops? Yep, I think so. And these people don't necessarily know you, but you are clearly a Gith Yankee or at the very least a pirate of Gith and Gith have a reputation in general. So they kind of give you a wide break. Eyes do not linger on you for very long, especially after you stare them down and people slowly start going about their own business. Okay, uh, Ravnus is going to turn to Marco and be like, okay, what do we, what do we do with them? Well, I would suggest you get him out of the open and you turn and Val is standing there. What she said. I thought you would have had this handled and then I hear somebody screaming in my voice. That was weird. But come on, we have some talking to do. She says, uh, smiling cheerfully at the Hidozi, who just kind of glowers at her. uh, And she grabs one side of his rope. Ravenous grabs the other side. And you guys drag him into the alley. Now, Luckbeak. Yes. You walk into the Gilded Lily, door creaks, and you see the dusty interior of this inn. It is the interior of the ship, still mostly intact. There's a lopsided bar that's made out of deck planks with six stools. They're all empty. There are two tables, a very intoxicated, if not completely passed out human with a big bushy gray beard slumped over at one table. And standing behind the bar is a half-elf who looks like he's in his mid-twenties. What do you have? 
Well, now, slow day, huh? Uh, what's the strongest thing you got on tap? Well, I got Casto Ale, uh, if you prefer that. I've got, uh, Wharf Ale. Wharf Ale. Boy, that's a, that's a marketing disaster. All right, I'll, I'll have a, I'll have two Wharf Ales, I guess. Sounds like, why, why do they make the name of the ale the sound it makes when it's coming out of you when you had too many? That's disgusting. Uh, one for me and one well, for make my it friend. Bec- the, the, you, they make it because, you know what, never mind. <laughs> what? What friends? I'm scrambling onto the chair next to the uh, the passed out bearded guy. Oh, you you know Jenkins? Yeah, me and Jenkins are close friends. He kind of shrugs. Never knew Jenkins to be one to have friends. And he sets down two dusty glasses filled with a dark liquid. All right. Well, the dust is the special spice. Uh, all right. I'm going to kind of try to rouse Jenkins. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, uh, hey, buddy, I, I got you a little something. Uh... You still there? Huh? <laughs> I thought so. Listen. Who's that? Uh, Jenkins, it's 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 me, your buddy Luckbeak. Uh, you want to take a leak? <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, listen. Uh, I was curious. You seem like a well-connected person in town, and I've bought you a drink here. What do you know about the people of this town, specifically uh, a Hadozi? Ever heard of a, a, a Hadozi wandering around town? Yeah, I was dozing. Oh, Jesus. All right. Uh... His eyes kind of blink awake, and as he sits up, you just see this tanned, wrinkled mm-hmm. face. These, like, squinty eyes over this nest of gray, tangled sure. hair. And he sits up, and he blinks a couple times, and he sees the beer, and he takes it, and he just downs all of it. In sure. One no, no, Hadozi, hado- like a, a gorilla, had sex with a flying squirrel. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Oh, the the, the deck apes. Yeah, I'm familiar. Okay. I'm going to say, hey, uh, uh, you know uh, any any crew that hires a lot of those? uh, I mean, I'd I'd rather not use the D slur, but, uh, you know, a dozy. They're all over, really. Really? Uh, even uh, Old Sylph uh, hires them. Who's that? And you would actually know Old Sylph is a term used to refer to the Elven Imperial Okay. Fleet. It's just a term that is used to collectively refer to it. It's a colloquialism. Okay. Is there anything that would stand out about the Hadozi that we were chasing? Like any scars or any? Uh, not really. You know, he had like a dark brown leather armor and specifically he had an insignia on him that matched the insignia that was on his ship, which was an inverted triangle with three oh. spokes uh, that came out each okay. tip, which from what Val said is the symbol of the Zenith Syndicate. Okay. What? Hey, this uh, this one had uh, this triangle with the spokes coming out. I think that's the Zenith Syndicate, right? Oh, the Zenith Syndicate. You know anything about? Yeah, it? they've been causing they've been causing all sorts of trouble since they take taken over the prison. Taking over the prison? Now, why would they go and do something like that? Yeah, they're all criminals. They are. Before they were the Zenith Syndicate, they were prisoners at that uh, asteroid prison run by the the Gray Dwarves. Uh huh. Okay. Their leader was a prisoner and banded them together and took over the whole rock. I see. And this gray dwarf, does he have a name? It was a clan of gray dwarves, the the Dwagar. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Thought they were mighty smart, creating a prison out here in nowhere. Most dangerous criminals being shipped from every other sphere to the place where everyone's going to forget about them. Sure, sure. 
I mean, do they just run lawless around here? No, they are using the prison as a base now, from what I hear. I see. So, there's really not a whole lot of places for prisoners to go around here. I mean, the prison is nah. taken over. Uh, the Salvagers Guild, the vultures, just end up jettying them out into space. Holy good gosh. All right, all right. Hey, and have you ever seen uh, an elf? Her name's Val? Oh, yeah, I've heard of Val. She's one that the uh, the Salvagers Guild would uh, would love to jetty into space. Really? A right pain in their I ass. I see, so she is. Okay, all right. Well, Jenkins, thank you. I, I very much appreciate it. Let me leave you one for the road as well. And I signal to the bartender for, for one more drink as I, I head out. He kind of gives you a look like, is that a good <laughs> idea? But nonetheless, we'll okay, take your sure, money. Yeah. And it's only going to be uh, three sure, copper yeah, a piece. Gotcha. So, yep. total. you know that copper are called stars. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. The gold pieces are suns, uh, silver pieces are moons, and uh, copper pieces are stars. Uh, I had hoped to learn some sort of secret detail about Val, but it looks like she is exactly uh, the enemy of the Zenith that she says she is. So, uh, I'm going to wander mm-hmm. out and try to reacquaint myself with the uh, the crew here. You can still hear distant sounds sure, of commotion. Sure. Everything that's going on over there is just now beginning to clear up, and you just generally head in that okay. direction. So, uh, Ravnus and Marco, Val helps you take this Hidozi into a nearby alley and around a corner, and Val actually finds an abandoned building, which is basically just the empty hall of one of the ships that make up the structure around here, and she ducks inside, pulling the Hidozi in, and just kind of throws him against the one wall, and he lands there with a thump, and he grunts, and he slides down the wall, uh, and glares up at the three of you. Val says, Hello, Nozak. It's a long time no see. Been out of the system, but I see you're just getting into trouble as always. Nazak, this Hadozi, smirks. Val, <sighs> go fuck yourself. And she kind of smiles, expecting that. Well, I believe you have some information for me. You can see that the Hadozi is now kind of panicking, but trying to put on like a brave face. I would say that Marco, now that we have the Hidozi well in hand, would be like tending to his busted nose and hurt back. Yeah, you just basically nurse your wounds enough to stop the bleeding. The Hidozi is going to glare up at Val again and go, The Suzerain will have my head if I give you anything else. Well, the Suzerain isn't here. Tell me what we want to know, and we will let you go. He'll find me. The Salvagers Guild won't work with the Zenith Syndicate if we keep leaking information to you. The Voidfarer keeps getting in their way. Val's gonna smile and says, Well, and that's just the way we like it. The information, and you can at the very least leave with your life. And he kind of eyes Val and kind of eyes the two of you. And he goes, Fine. I found an untouched ship. Kratorian squid ship. Looks like it was frozen in a comet until it was recently broken by an asteroid impact by the looks of it. Marco's attention is peaked. And Val goes, where is it? It's in a small asteroid field. Nine jammy hours. Third point port of Sunward by now. The longer you wait, the harder it will be to find it. Well then, I guess we shouldn't waste any time. Damn right. Real quick, can I make an insight check on that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. That's a 12. He seems to be telling the truth. Okay. He's giving in. Yeah. Ravnish just kind of narrows her eyes as she watches this. Uh, And Val says, well, I think it's about time that we head to the Voidfarer, and we will head to these coordinates immediately. She turns to you, uh, Ravnish, and goes, cut him free, why don't you? A deal's a deal. 
She gets her sword out and, in fact, cuts him free. Immediately, the Hidozi jumps to his feet and heads to the door. He stops for a moment in the doorway and kind of turns back and says, (laughs) The Zenith Syndicate knows your faces now. If I tell the suzerain, maybe he'll spare me. And he just darts. Y'all will never realize what I found out at the... Hey, was that the Hidozi? (laughs) Yeah, and you do walk (laughs) in at that moment. Uh, You just see him leap to the roof of a nearby building and then just vanish. We got what we needed from him. We know about an untouched ship, Luckbeak. An untouched ship. Do you know how much stuff we could find in there? Uh, probably a lot, I guess. Exactly a lot. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, great. Uh, and it appears to be Kratorian, no less. The magical artifacts are bound to be powerful upon it. The Kratorians were known for their magic tech. Oh, see, I I had like an I, I, hold on. It's the the the. It was a, a Kratorian. Sh- see, I wasn't getting your cadence quite right. I I need to work better on that. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, that was you. Well, that was a clever little uh, trick, wasn't uh, it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always trying. I got I got some good ones. You want to hear my John Stamos? I I, I never. You know what? We don't have right, time for this. <laughs> and she goes, "Come on, we have to get to the ship. We can meet those coordinates before they're outdated." She's going to lead you back out into the market, and she goes, oh, I suppose we should find the kids, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually. She heads back out into the market, looks around, and goes, they were here somewhere. Ah! And you see her turn on her heel and walk in a direction. You see Riley and Edgar standing at what looks like a hat vendor, and Riley is putting on this wide-brimmed hat with a huge feather, and Edgar is, like, giggling as, like, the hat kind of comes down to, like, pass the bridge of her nose. Val walks up and goes, Ah! That's a captain's hat, that is. Looks quite striking on you. And Riley kind of pushes it up and goes, really? You're not a captain. (laughs) Riley. (laughs) Not yet, but someday Riley will be. You know, crazier things have happened. And Val takes the hat off of Riley's head and spins it and puts it on hers uh, and goes, oh, this is quite a fetching one, isn't it? And takes it back off and uh, hands it to the merchant. And she goes, "Uh, not today, I think. I'm sorry. Uh, He kind of looks a little bit dejected. Come on. We have places to be. All right, let's go. Come on. Come on, kid. Nobody's gonna... Can I flip a gold piece to the merchant and just take the hat? <laughs> you do that, and he kind of takes it and looks confused, and you go to take the hat, and he goes, Actually, that one was uh, eight gold oh, pieces, unfortunately. Shit, are you kidding me? It's a very nice hat. It's, like, velvet with, like, a satin interior and, like, a huge, like, okay. uh, Did, uh, does Marco hear that? You catch the tail end of that. So I would, uh, go back and be like, half? <sighs> yeah, I guess. I'll chuck four in. Yeah, the merchant takes your money and takes the hat and kind of puts it in a box and hands it to him. Oh, thank you for your business. Gold. All right, uh, we head out. (laughs) Val leads you back down to the sutler ward and goes, ah, there it is. Uh, And you see that she is pointing at a tavern. And this is a peculiar tavern because the structure of this tavern is made up of the gigantic skeleton of what looks like a whale. Hmm. And you can see that there's like canvas and sail material and cloth stretched across gigantic rib bones and planks placed in place places to create the outer structure and you see that there's a door that spans two rib bones that come down with a door beam across and a sign hangs there that is called Kindori's Cradle. Luckbeak and Ravnus, you would know that a Kindori is a giant space whale. 
Okay. So, and it appears that this entire tavern is made within the skeleton gotcha. of a Kindori. That's cool. Val leads you through, and you see that this is a huge tavern. There's a dozen tables, again, made out of discarded planks and pieces of wood. There is a bar, and the spine of this creature is against that wall. The skeleton is on its side. The vertebrae serving as a lopsided shelf that have bottles stacked in uneven rows against the wall. And you can see that place is lit by a bunch of lanterns and there is a chandelier hanging by rigging line in the center uh, with candles all the way around. The chandelier itself seems to be made out of the capstan of a ship, the large wheel that would be rotated to like crank up an anchor. Behind the bar, you see a very pretty female dwarf. She has blonde hair that is pulled back into a braid, and she has thick mutton chops that come down the side of her face, and smaller braids, four on each side, that are also tied off into little green ribbons. And she smiles as Val comes in and goes, Ah, my cousin said you would be here eventually, and you brought friends. Staying for a drink? And Val goes, <laughs> Not today, Maggie, not today. I did expect your cousin to come through. I had a job from her earlier. And Maggie says, Ah, yeah, he said something about you wanting him to forget a dinghy under a particular dock. Uh, I take it it came in handy. And Val says, Indeed, he didn't mess it up this time. Um, but anyway, my manners. And she turns and goes, Everyone, this is Magnahild Windhelm. She is the proprietor here. And Maggie, this is Ravnus Luckbeak. And Marco. And Maggie goes, Well, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. A pleasure to meet you as well. Yes, yeah, a pleasure. Ravnus doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and Val says, well, I'm sorry we can't stay today, but uh, I'm sure we'll be back. Maggie kind of looks a little sad and like, well, I would have thought you at least wanted to stay and hear the gossip a little bit, but perhaps another time. And Val says, yes, the gossip, it may be different words, but it's always the same. And she leads you past the bar through a door. It looks like there's like a privy back here and uh, another like storeroom, but she leads you to a far room that is lined with barrels. And she reaches down and pulls a hatch. And she goes, all right, everyone in. Marco's going to look hesitant. And I guess grab the kids and kind of like hesitantly beckon them inside. It's not so bad. We got to go through the bilge warrens to get to where we moor the Voidfarer. It's not that big of a deal. We only have keel crawlers to worry about. The hell's a keel crawler? projectderailed.com